Hey, it's Amy Newmark. Please enjoy this rerun of one of my favorite episodes from last year. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey everyone, it's Amy Newmark with your Chicken Soup for the Soul. And today we have two special guests for Friend Friday, Dr. Brooke Schneider and Dr. Nicole Lewis. We're going to talk about the negative and unhelpful things that we say by accident when we're actually trying to help someone. I talked about one of these things, toxic positivity, with Brooke and Nicole on their Women's Strong podcast and realized this would be a great topic for all our Chicken Soup for the Soul listeners. Before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about Brooke and Nicole. So they are co-creators of Women's Strong, which is an online women's wellness program. They're also the authors of the ebook Women's Strong, and they're hosts of the Women's Strong podcast. Dr. Brooke Schneider is a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist practicing integrative psychiatry in Colorado. She's also a co-facilitator of the Sand, Surf, and Soul Wellness Retreat. When she's not working, she takes advantage of all that Colorado has to offer in terms of sports and outdoor activities, and she raises her daughter. Dr. Nicole Lewis is a naturopathic doctor, a doula, and a prenatal and postnatal coach. She practices naturopathic medicine with an emphasis on mental health, women's health, hormones, genetics, and pregnancy and birth. She is based in Portland, Oregon, and when she's not working, she's a busy mother of three. So Brooke and Nicole, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Thank you so much for having us. We're thrilled to be here. Well, that's great. So let's start with toxic positivity. This is one of my pet peeves because I am a cancer patient. And when you're a cancer patient, people are always saying things to you like, you're the strongest person I know. You've got this. You know, and it drives me crazy when they do that. And a friend of mine used to say it to me all the time. And then she got breast cancer. And the first thing she said to me after her diagnosis was, I am so sorry for all the times I told you you were a strong woman. Now I know why I shouldn't have said that. So let's talk about that because everybody listening to this podcast is super nice and they're always trying to say the right things to people and they probably don't necessarily know that that isn't the right thing to say to people. Yes, absolutely. It's such a common problem that we've all probably made this mistake in our lives, right? So toxic positivity is when people skip over the painful thing and go straight to optimism. Toxic positivity involves dismissing negative emotions, and responding to distress with false reassurances rather than with empathy. In toxic positivity, we avoid being present with hard emotions like sadness, anger, worry, and grief. And I learn best by example, so I'm going to give you a toxic positivity visualization exercise now. Let's all imagine that we just vulnerably shared with a loved one that we're in pain and feeling sad, maybe got some hard news like a death in the family, or like you just shared, Amy, maybe a scary medical diagnosis like cancer. And let's imagine that our loved one immediately says, like you 
just gave the example, Amy, you're the strongest person I know, you've got this, or it's going to be okay, or you can handle this, or you have to stay positive. Being negative isn't going to help you fight cancer, for example. Or even if they said, we can get through this together. So let's imagine, how do these responses make you feel? Did your loved one acknowledge and validate the pain that you're experiencing? No, right? Your loved one skipped over the pain and the fear and the sadness that is obviously an appropriate response to this hard situation. And the message that your loved one is inadvertently sending with toxic positivity is, it's not okay to not be okay. Or like you described so perfectly, Amy, during our Women's Strong interview with you, you said, do I have to be strong all the time? Is that the only way I can show up is as an incredibly strong woman? So you were already going through a really hard thing. You're feeling really big emotions. You're scared. You're sad, overwhelmed. And your person, your loved one says, nope, don't feel your feelings. Pull up your bootstraps. Snap out of it. It's going to be okay. How jarring, right? And how invalidating. And we've all probably done this, like I said, at one time or the other, because we know where it comes from. Toxic positivity comes from people's inability to be with pain. It's uncomfortable. And our knee-jerk reaction is to try to fix it and avoid these hard emotions or at least reduce this discomfort. But reality speaking, most hard, painful things can't be fixed. Susan David, she's the author of Emotional Agility, and she's an emotions researcher. She said it so well when she said that toxic positivity is putting your comfort ahead of your loved one's reality. And we do this so often with our children. I'm a mom, and we have a lot of moms as members in Women Strong, and we do this so often because when you see your child in pain and distress, you just want to make it better as quickly as possible, right? And guess what? We do this with ourselves too. Toxic positivity on ourselves. We feel pain, sadness, overwhelm, anxiety, and we say, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I should be able to get through this. And in Women Strong, we always talk about not shooting all over ourselves, right? But in all seriousness, this is a common affliction, this shame spiral when we are struggling and wishing that things were different. So one of the best approaches to the shame spiral is to practice self-compassion and treat yourself as you would treat your closest friend or family member. And now I'm going to give you some action steps and things we can say to avoid accidentally giving our loved ones a dose of toxic positivity. So Instead of saying, let's find a silver lining or let's be positive, being negative won't help you, we can say these things instead. How about, I know things are really hard right now. How can I support you? Or I love you through all of your emotional states. I want you to let things out and to open up to me. How can I be there with you and hold the space for what you're going through? And listening, just letting the person who's in pain talk and just listening is, yes. is so helpful. But if you're the victim of toxic positivity, what should you say back to the person who just gave you that dose of toxic positivity? Oh, yeah. What do you say back? <laughs> <laughs> How about, I understand that you need me to be strong right now and that you need to be okay but I'm really not okay. And what would help me is for you to just listen or for you to give me a hug 
and say, I'll be with you no matter what, no matter what hard emotions that come up for you. I'm here for you and I love you unconditionally. You know, there's another thing I've noticed people do, and it's so annoying. There's one person in my life who I actually made everybody I knew keep it secret from her when I got cancer because I didn't want her to do this thing that she does. And it's this, Amy, how are you? Which implies your life sucks. Everything is really bad. And I'm asking you, how are you in the superior way? It's like fake sympathy. How are you? Versus how are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I wanted you to say, how would you like her to be, right? Oh, silent. <laughs> totally silent. <laughs> you bring up such a good thing because we're all different and we all need and want support in a unique way. Like for you, you might want people to just pretend like nothing's happening. For someone else, they might want someone to say, hey, how are you? You know, how's it going and how can I be there for you? And so everyone's unique. And I do this with my teenage patients who are going through depression. I have them tell their parents how they best want to be supported. And they never say, oh, I want my parents to just say, it's going to be okay, because they know depression can't be fixed, right? When you're depressed, you have this inertia, you often want to stay in bed and stay home. And the parents are like, come on, you have depression, get up, you pull up your bootstraps, let's go out for a walk. You know, they're like really in their teen's face because they love them so much and want to fix it, right, and make it better. But I have my teenage patients coach their parents into how to be with them and say, okay, mom and dad or mom or dad, when you notice my door is closed and I'm really sitting in the dark in my room, here's what I want you to say and here's what I want you to do because it can be unique for everyone. All right. So from our other doctor who's on board, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, I think that that really ties into some of the other things that we're going to be talking about today and segues in nicely to giving unsolicited advice, but toxic positivity is just so prevalent right now. And I think what Dr. Schneider was sharing with us about really supporting the youth in this way is if we as adults can model for them that it is okay, it's okay to not be okay, then really we're just helping to create the future where that then spills forward, right? Then, oh, okay, I'm showing my kids that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be sad, um, validating their feelings, and I'm modeling that for them, and then they can then pass that on too. So, right. Yeah, validating somebody's feelings is so important. And when you throw a dose of toxic positivity at them, you are totally invalidating their feelings. Well, we're going to take a quick break for an ad. Then we're going to come back with Dr. Brooke Schneider and Dr. Nicole Lewis to talk about a couple more faux pas that we might be committing, even though we're just trying to be helpful. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. We're back with Dr. Nicole Lewis and Dr. Brooke Schneider, and we're talking about the unhelpful things that we all do by accident when we're actually trying to be helpful. So, Brooke and Nicole, tell us a couple more no-nos that we're all committing by accident. Yeah, a big one that I wanted to talk about today was giving unsolicited advice. So a lot of the times, it's just an automatic reaction. When somebody is sharing their problems with you, you just want to fix it. And you might even be thinking about solutions and advice while they're sharing with you. And just as we talked about before, people want to find solutions and get out of their pain and discomfort as quickly as possible versus just being present with the pain and letting those feelings in. Sometimes people are looking for advice, and sometimes they're just wanting to vent. Giving advice can be helpful if it's asked for, but giving unsolicited advice can actually cause people to shut down, and you take away their opportunity to problem solve from their own creative point of view. We really don't know what's best for somebody else because we haven't walked in their shoes, and there's no way to truly understand their whole situation. So what we like to recommend you do instead is first ask somebody if they want our advice and give them the opportunity to say no. This is huge because if you're just trying to insert your advice anyway and you are trying, and maybe this is a step along the way too if you're so used to just giving advice without acknowledging the other person first is really giving them the opportunity to say no because maybe they don't. Maybe they don't want your advice. So don't just assume that they do want your advice. And if they say no, just hold space for them. Validate their feelings and emotions. Listen and just be with what is. That happens all the time between men and women. I remember reading about it in that Mars and Venus book. And my husband read the book also. And now if I'm venting about something, usually at work, something that's happening, he'll be, okay, Am I just supposed to listen now? What am I supposed to do? I think I'm just Mm -hmm. supposed to listen and you don't want my advice, right? And I'll go, that's right. I don't want your advice. But he he learned from that book that he should just be quiet and listen. Yeah. And that's how I've really started within the past few years. I actually really learned this from Brooke more than anybody else. Whenever I have a friend that's reaching out to me, some of the things that we actually do and we've trained each other to do is First, ask if the other person has space and time to receive what you need to give. And then we ask, how do you want me to support you? Do you want my opinion or do you want me just to listen? So really, you know, that helps with the dialogue and that communication. I just wanted to say that in the sharing, you want to share from your experience, not as if it's the right way or the only way to go, just sharing what has been helpful for you. You don't know if what you've tried is even an option for your loved one, and you don't know if your solution would even be appropriate for their unique circumstances. 
everyone is unique in their way of approaching challenges, and you want to keep the lines of communication open for future conversations if your loved one doesn't take your advice, right? So instead of being directive and saying something like, you should do X, Y, Z, you could say instead, when I was going through something similar, what helped me was X, Y, Z. And going back to that tip for toxic positivity, right? Don't forget to be present with what is before moving into action. So you acknowledge and validate the hard thing before asking if they want your input. For example, wow, this sounds so hard and painful, and I totally get why you're struggling with this. How can I support you? And then pause for as long as it takes for your loved one to know that you see them and you feel them, and then ask if they'd like your input or advice. And I'd also just like to add that therapists, mental health professionals, are trained not to give advice. (laughs) So we shouldn't either, right? Right. But friends can give advice. Like I'll say to a friend, when that happened to me, this is what worked. But that sounds like I'm taking a step back. It's more diffident. If I say, well, here's what worked for me, it means that I'm not at all trying to voice that upon my friend. I'm just saying, this is what worked for me. And then if my friend wants to take the bait, then we can talk about it. But if my friend feels it's not relevant to her life, then we just move on. Exactly. All right. Now, We want to give our listeners one more no-no, our very helpful listeners who sometimes aren't helpful by accident. So what's the third mistake that we all make? Okay, our third mistake is making assumptions. So pretty much everybody has heard the saying, when you assume, it makes an ass out of you and me, insinuating that when you think you know what someone else is going to do or say, and you're wrong, it can make you look like a fool. Now, I don't love that saying for a few different reasons. One is that it is shaming, and another is that it makes assumptions in and of itself. Instead, something that has stuck with me for the past few years now is what my dad told me about assuming. When I was growing up, I was raised in a really strict household with lots of rules. And as most people do, when we start to see patterns of behavior, we start to predict outcomes. This is entirely normal. We start to anticipate what is going to be said or done in different scenarios. This can even be a protective mechanism if we are living or have lived in abusive settings. So one day, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I thought I knew what my dad was going to say, so I didn't even ask. I think I was going to ask for help in some way. During a later conversation, I told him, well, I didn't ask because I thought you'd say no. And then he expressed to me that he was disappointed And I was surprised. And he went on to say, well, when you assumed that you knew how I was going to respond, it took away my opportunity to respond differently. And as we go through life, our experiences help to shape us. And it's normal for us to change our minds, form different opinions, and make different choices. So when we assume, we are actually, in a way, inhibiting that other person's growth. What we can do instead is notice ourselves making assumptions, check for safety, make sure that it's not a concern, and then give the other person the opportunity to surprise us and make a different choice or say something that we didn't expect. That makes a lot of sense. Brooke, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I just wanted to add that everybody knows Brene Brown, the empathy, shame, emotions researcher, and her new work 
is all about how we can no longer assume what someone is feeling just by the way they look. And that most people, if they appear angry, there are a ton of emotions under that. And so really opening these lines of communication like Nicole did with her dad is how we break through these assumptions. We check in and say, hey, it looks like you're angry. Is that accurate? And what's happening there, right? So that we can grow and connect and break through these assumptions that get us into trouble in relationships. Yeah. Somebody might say, well, no, I'm not angry. I think I just put up a hard shell around myself when I'm upset. And that's what you're seeing on my face. Exactly. Or I'm really afraid to talk to you about something and it's coming out sideways as anger, but really I'm afraid and I want to connect with you. I'm lonely and worried and I want, I need some reassurance to open the lines of communication. All right. Well, we are out of time, but I'm really happy that we did this. I've never had a podcast on this topic before. And I love this idea of sharing with everybody these no-nos that we shouldn't be doing when we're just trying to be helpful. Brooke, where can our listeners learn more about you? And then Nicole, I'm going to ask you for the same information next. Our website is womenstrongtogether.com, and we are on Instagram and Facebook at Women Strong Together. And our ebook can be found on Amazon, the Women Strong ebook. Okay. And separately, you both have your own practices. Is there any contact information if people want to talk to you about individually seeing you? People can contact me, Dr. Nicole Lewis, at www.drnicolelewis.com. I am also on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Nicole Lewis. Okay. And Brooke, do you have any separate contact information for your practice? People can reach me at dr.brookschneider at gmail.com. And I'm listed on the Life Change Services website, lifechangeservices.com. All right. Well, thank you both so much for coming on today. Everybody, thanks for listening. And please join me next time for two stories about a case of mistaken identity with hilarious consequences from our best-selling humor book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Too Funny. Too Funny.